On today's episode of Go Book Yourself, the podcast that helps you master writing, marketing, and publishing one bite at a time, we are opening our toolboxes and peeking inside at the best choices to help us write our books. Let Mia's dulcet voice reading the intro soothe you, and then we are going to get cracking. Tune in to Go Book Yourself, powered by Helix Interactive with your book coach and publishing expert, Hilary Jastrom. It's time to face the elephant smack dab in the middle of the room, and that is that writing a book is completely, unapologetically, dramatically overwhelming. We enter into writing a book thinking in terms of before and after. Well, at least I do. Or in terms of A to Z. We know we're at A, we know we're at before, and we know where we want to go, which is Z or after, but we don't know how to get there. We don't know what B, C, D, and E looks like. We don't know what the path looks like to get to after. So we're going to learn about it. And after we canoodle a little with our sugar daddy, J-Hill Creative, then we're going to really dive in deeply. And I'm, I'm going to give you guys some super awesome tips that are going to help you get to where you need to go. They're going to help you get to your finished publication destination. Y'all know J. Hill Creative and Bookmark Publishing House is a love affair for the ages. J. Hill is our parent company loving us, and we are returning that spoonful of love right back at them. In the midst of all this love, Bookmark Publishing House is ready for you ready to help you craft and smooth and polish the rough stone that is your prefab David. You are the marble in the streets. Your book awaits the chisel to become the masterpiece David. If you are ready to get started unearthing the book inside you, please visit jhillcreative.com. That's jhill1lcreative.com. Now, before we get to the topic at hand, I want to say that the reason we're going to talk about so many apps today and so many different tips and tricks is that we are all different kinds of people. We are all different kinds of writers. I have never encountered an identical writer on the publishing journey. People think differently. They retain information differently. Sometimes they organize differently. Some people are visual learners. They put their projects together. They highlight things. Red means this is urgent. Orange is I gotta get to it. Green is it's done. Yellow is I'm waiting. That's me. That's my personal color code I just shared with you. <laughs> and some people learn things in a more audible manner. They need to hear things. They need to hear themselves speak. They need to speak out their words of their book. They're they're better at expressing themselves this way. Also, some people might have some learning challenges, and so it's easier for them to get across what they're trying to communicate verbally. That's great. We all have strengths. We all have challenges. Some people even feel the need to write their book pen to paper. There's something about the tactile sensation of hearing the pen scratching on the page, of feeling it glide across the, the tooth of the page. There's something in that that deeply connects them to their message. 
So no matter where you are, if you need to put your fingers on the keys on the keyboard, it doesn't matter. I've got a tool for you today. And maybe it's time to break out of your comfort zone a little bit and explore some other applications that can help you. It can time collapse your route to success to become an author. So what I'm gonna share with you is gonna get you where you need to go. And as we go, we'll check the box on the jobs that you need to get done before you finish your book. So here's your list. Go ahead and grab a pen and paper. Go ahead and record this if you need to, to come back to it. Always feel free to come back to it. The first application on the list is Grammarly. I am a huge Grammarly fan, huge, bigly, okay? I'm approaching 20 million words that have been checked ever since I had a Grammarly account, and that was what, probably in 2016. So to say I'm familiar with it, that I love it is an absolute understatement. However, there are some limitations. And I want you to know about these because it's not as easy as saying, I'm gonna write a book and then I'll throw it through Grammarly and it's gonna be great. You need to have the knowledge behind why you are choosing specific punctuation. There are cases, in many cases, where you don't even have the discretion. It is a rule, it is to be followed. This especially comes into play when we're looking at different style guides. Different style guides dictate how the style of your editing is going to look. So Chicago Manual of Style will tell you that there is going to be a space before and after an ellipses, for example. That is a non-negotiable. If you're editing in that style, it's non-negotiable. So that's an example. The AP style is a little bit different. I'm not very familiar with that, so I'm not gonna speak on it. But understand that Grammarly is not a substitute for having an editor. They will commonly issue wrong suggestions. It might be a tense suggestion. It might be that they are not familiar with a particular vernacular. It might be that they are asking you to capitalize something that should not be capitalized. So we need to understand that there is no fail-safe application for editing, ever. This is an application that you can put to use to help you catch something that might have fallen through the cracks. But even so, if it says, hey, this item fell through the cracks and you're really supposed to do this, you still need to have the cognitive ability to say, am I doing that? Is that actually correct? So Grammarly is great. If you wanna tell it, it'll, it'll tell you where to throw in some commons, commas, rather. It'll tell you, hey, you missed a period here at the end of the sentence or something like that. It will tell you if um, where versus were. So sometimes we might skip hitting the H or vice versa, we might omit the H and we, we might mean the other term here. That's great, it can help you identify things like that. It is no substitute for an actual human being reading your work, assessing it and using their knowledge and their education to ensure that your book is correct. So 
Use Grammarly to help you catch things. Do not rely on it 100% to ensure that your book becomes what it is. And I will also say proceed with caution in any sort of automated form of text or automated copy. I'm seeing a lot of that around lately. Our robots are going to write your copy. Well, that's great. But you still have to assess what the robots wrote. You know, it's a similar situation to the relationship that I have with Siri or with Google at this point. Uh, it might be a situation where it suggests something and that is absolutely incorrect. It might be a situation where I'm trying to ask a question and it says, hey, I've gotten you directions to this latest location in your area. So it is not a fail safe situation and you should know that going into it. The second item that I am advocating for heavily is spell check. Spell check is ages old ever since Microsoft Word came on the market, what, in the 90s, maybe late 80s. They instituted spell check to ensure that you were spelling your words correctly. It is a sort of Grammarly, and through the ages, it has gotten more intelligent as they have reworked the versions to be more in keeping with the type of content that people are creating. I use both. I use Grammarly and spell check both to make sure that first I use my knowledge as a human being and my background, and I say, okay, this is the best that I can get it. Now I'm going to swoop in and use Grammarly and Spellcheck. So make sure that you are doing that. If you're putting any content out into the world, I recommend that you run it through both of these applications first and you reread it. A huge part of editing is rereading it. That should be a, a large chunk of what you're doing as an author. You're writing initially. Rewriting takes up the majority of the time and you're rereading it multiple, multiple times. Rereading it means you also give a shit about it. So there are some people out there in the world who are like, hey, you know, I, I'm done creating it. I don't care. I, I don't want to look at it again. So, but if we think about it this way, an editor or a publisher can't care about your book more than you. You need to care about it the most. You need to not rush through things. You need to make sure that you make the time to read things and to engage with it. That's how you're going to have a, a successful book. And you will have a successful book when you use these applications as well. Now, speaking of reading, our third tip here is use a beta reader. And we do institute beta readers usually at a latter part of the process or a later part of the process rather these are people that we say hey i created this i wrote this manuscript would you mind reading it beta readers can be used in any part of the process you can pull them in in the beginning to say does my work make sense is there anything in here that needs clarity for example you can also pull them in at the end after everything is I would say one step away from proofing, you pull them in and say, hey, how's this going? These are the opportunities for last minute changes. After that, we're shutting down the doors, we're pulling them closed, that's it, we're done. Beta readers also work 
best if you give them a particular assignment. So if you have a handful of beta readers, you beta reader over here are gonna check for typos. You beta reader over beta reader, beta reader. That's interesting. I might start using that. Beta reader over here are going to make sure that it sounds congruent to the rest of my brand. Uh, you beta reader over here are gonna make sure that everything is super distilled and clarified and simplified. It is easy to digest. So you can assign people different tasks and I liken this to creating a successful survey. When you create a successful survey, yes, you are providing options, but you're also narrowing down that options so you don't throw in everything but the kitchen sink. You're saying, I want these to be very pointed areas of feedback because that is going to help you. You'll know it's relevant. You'll know that you can move forward with it. Our next tip is Google Drive. Google Drive is fantastic for short form content. And I cannot, I cannot underscore this enough. It is not designed for long form content. It is not designed for the creation of manuscripts because what happens is that Word downloaded directly to your hard drive. So your local version of Word is and remains the gold standard of manuscript creation. The gold standard. I'm not gonna talk about using fiction apps in terms of specific apps that help you plot out certain plot lines and things of that nature because I don't have experience with that. I don't have experience with playwriting apps, so I can't speak on what I don't know, but I will say I invite you to explore, however, in the creation of your manuscript, that should be in Word. So you can use Google Doc for things like your outline, for notes that you have, for your own style guide. Did I remember that this particular word is branded and it should be capitalized? So I wanna make sure that I'm checking throughout the document. Did I? Remember that, oh, oh shoot, I was gonna put a disclaimer in there. You'll have a list of things that you want to remember. Now your editor and publisher is gonna have that list as well, but you as the author need to make sure that you are working off of a list. So you can work off their list, but likely you will have your own notes as well. So Google Drive is great. You can assign a folder to people and say, or assign a folder to yourself and say, great, I'm gonna put all of my images, my graphs, my charts in this folder. I'm gonna put my outline in this folder. It's wonderful for encapsulating everything that you need to do for your book. It's wonderful because you can work on content simultaneously. When I'm working with an author on their outline, we can both be in the outline together. So if we're both motivated, we're possessed to write something, we can both do that in real time. So I do love Google Drive. It saves your work up to the moment of your last creation, which is wonderful. But I will tell you also, if you're working in a local downloaded version to your laptop, make sure you're hitting Control S 
or Command S if you have a Mac in Word to save always. And I'm not kidding you guys, I hit this thing probably every 30 seconds. Every time I insert something new or whatever, I just make it a habit to control S. So that way, if I ever have a crash, and it's happened before, it's happened to all of us, I can retrieve the information up to the latest point of my entry, and it is fantastic. So Google Drive for organization and short-term docs and for holding pieces that you are going to be including in the book. I have one author who included 26 images in his book. Well, this is fantastic because all he had to do was throw those in the folder and then share the folder with the formatter so they both have access to the same things and then his work can get done. So the reason that we use Word locally downloaded to your hard drive is because the online Word versions or similar applications that are supposed to be like Word are inferior at this point. I've used them all, I've tested them all OneDrive, for example, cannot keep up with any sort of reformatting. If I were to take a document in Word and paste that into OneDrive, it's not going to bring my comments with me. I have to copy and paste those. Even if I take that document in OneDrive and I create a new document and I paste the content from the first document into the second document, it does not take my comments. So it creates a lot of a loss of integrity of the document. This makes me very nervous. Anytime I have a trust issue with anything, now I need to double check it. I'm wasting my time looking at something that I otherwise don't need to do. If you're not familiar with these applications, you don't know how to set them up, you don't know what the formatting is, you don't know if there are limits to the formatting, simply do what your editor or publisher recommends, what I'm telling you to do, which is use that locally downloaded to your hard drive version of Microsoft Word. Pages, the same thing. It's an absolute disaster. We are trying to make sure that at every point we are not losing any of the integrity. We're not losing the comments. We're not losing the edits that we just made. We don't want any of that to be up in the air. It's a terrible feeling. And I have had authors who have picked up the work that I've given. They've copied and pasted or opened up a Word document in a Google Doc, and they've lost content. Then they have to go back and they have to cross-reference. Hopefully they find it, and sometimes they can't. So do, do not use Google Doc for your manuscript. That's my final word on this. Um, it freezes. Some of the comments aren't transferable. The formatting is off, even as, as much as the dimensions, the margins and things of that nature. You lose all of that. So what you're doing, if it's you, you're wasting time. If you're sending it to an editor or publisher, you're wasting their time. So make sure you go with the gold standard that we talked about, which is Word downloaded locally to your hard drive. And that's the last time I'm, I'm going to say that. I swear, but I feel so strongly about it. An option you can use that seems to do a little bit better with long form, not for the creation of your book, but 
to add, it's kind of acts as a sort of electronic note card is Evernote. I don't know if you've ever heard of Evernote. It's the green elephant. It's online. And again, it's not for the creation of your manuscript, but it is great in terms of if you want to write a blog post, if you want to have a place to gather your documents, similar to Google Drive in this manner, is that you can have a folder and within it contained everything that you need your book to hold. You can also share that with people so it's easily shareable. It is up to date, automatically saved, so you don't have to worry about that. I've had a lot of success with Evernote. It has some editing capabilities. It has some formatting capabilities, but I wouldn't rely on it as a heavy hitter in creating your book. Next item is your old English teacher. And there are people in your life who are working in this industry or they're working in this specialty, they're teaching English or they're a retired teacher. One of my editors is a retired English teacher and she is fantastic. I'm learning from her. This is what she's done for 15, 20 years or however long it's been. And bringing with her that breadth and that wealth of knowledge. And those are the people that you want to rely on the English language and language in itself is very idiosyncratic. So you want to make sure that you have experts at your disposal to help you answer questions. Why am I treating the content this way? Well, this is why you're doing it. Okay, great. I didn't know that. There are some things out there in terms of language that are subjective and how we make those decisions and the best practices for those decisions will fall on the shoulders of these experts. Maybe your mom worked at a publishing house. You know, there are people in your circle, in your network that you can reach out to and say, hey, you know what? I need some proofing done. I need this done. Can you just read it? And I'm gonna throw a few Benjamins your way, right? Pay them for their time. Next, we have Dropbox. Dropbox is fine. I have seen entire manuscripts in there. Uh, it can act as a catch-all, much in the same way as Evernote or Google Drive, where you can store various things. We know it can store large amounts of information of all kinds, from content to images to photos, whatever. I find it very difficult to navigate and read a manuscript. So it's fine as a, a keepsake, but in terms of actually working in it, no, this is, this is something, this is a catch-all. In terms of when I say working in it, in my case, reading it. If I'm reading it, I'm reading it because I know I'm going to be making changes. And so why not read it in the application where I'm going to make those changes? I can feasibly do that. Next, we'll talk about formatting. When it comes to formatting, yes, you can do some of these things yourself. Formatting in this case, and I have talked about this to a degree in the past, formatting is art. It is word art. It usually is in the hands of a graphic designer or somebody who has studied the very granular ins and outs of fonts and 
placement, layout, white space, um, training a reader's eye to center on a particular point and follow a path through the page. I'm going to enter here. I'm going to then, I know if I'm testing this out, then I'm going to move here. My eye will move here and here and here and here. So there's a reason that your formatter chooses particular fonts and arranges things in a particular manner. They also have guidelines to follow, such as on a chapter page, the content, the actual beginning, the narrative starts about halfway down the page. You want to use these people and they're pretty economical as well. So you want to use them to ensure that they are checking the box on all the criteria in publishing. If you don't check the box on the criteria, your work smacks as amateur. Everything you put into your work, all of your hours, your blood, your sweat, your tears, your ink, your fury, your joy, elation, it becomes for naught if you put out something that is poorly executed. So my advice is to use a pro. If you want to be that pro, I highly suggest that you take a class. I'm telling you, I used to do the formatting for my books and I would rather drive a rusty screwdriver through my eyeball. It is a particular art form and there is something about jumping around in Word and trying to apply the headings and the um, premonition of Word. Word is always like, I think you're trying to do this. Are you trying to do this? Okay, great. I'm going to link the last header to the prior one. And all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, I have to redo seven headers and I'm ready to scream. So use a formatter, use a pro. When it comes to the cover, unless you are a graphic designer and unless you have extreme distance perspective on your own work, not, not or, and unless you have those two things working for you, use a professional. You can also do something that's super duper fun. And that is go to 99designs, which has all kinds of graphic designers at your disposal. More than graphic designers. These are creative people that are in this particular online stable. They're at your disposal. And when you launch a contest, you say, I'm going to pay this flat fee. I'm going to pay $400. I believe it is last time I checked 400 bucks. I'm going to launch a contest. These are my details. This is what I want you to do. So my book is about this. I like this palette. I like these colors. I like these styles. You guys go. What happens then is you're hooked up with about 30 plus designers competing for that $400. So you wind up having to review about 30 designs and the person who wins gets the kitty, they get the $400. So it's really interesting. It allows you to explore the graphical creation of your book, I guess we'll say, in many, many different ways through many different eyes. I think it gives you an insight into different ways of looking at your own work. So I just love that. And I think it's really cool. Highly recommend you check it out. I have an, a designer who's fantastic mats that I've used for years now, and he is my head designer. So that's my go-to person. But if somebody 
wants to do their own thing or explore it, this is what I highly recommend. Check out 99designs, 99likethenumberdesigns.com. You may have to dig a little bit in order to find the book design contest. I had to type in 99designs book design contest because the link is a little bit hidden. So just make sure that you don't get discouraged and say, well, it's not on there. Yes, it is. You just have to dig for it a little bit. And I can't even tell you how to navigate it from the breadcrumbs because I failed. <laughs> so our next item is otter. Otter like the animal, O-T-T-E-R. Otter is a transcription service. It is fantastic. It is my preferred service. You can use it on your phone. I like this about Otter because you can definitely multitask. So if you're a person who goes running in the morning or goes for a walk in the morning, you can double time what you're doing with your book. You can double time creating that content. You can go out there and maybe you feel like you'll look like a lunatic. Who cares? There's many lunatics in the world. Go ahead and join them enthusiastically. Hello, I'm a lunatic speaking into my phone. I'm being emphatic. I'm being exciting. Who cares? Just give a little nod and a wink and be on your way. But you can narrate the content of your book. I suggest that you do this having in mind what you want to narrate. So you're first going to create that outline. And then you might say, today I'm going to narrate chapter one. So make sure you bring those outline points with you so that you can narrate on the go. You can narrate into your phone or your laptop. And then you can do one of two things. You can give your login ID to your publisher or editor, or you can share your content with them, which I'm finding most of my authors prefer to do is say, hey, here's all my content. It's fantastic. It is date stamped. It is time stamped. So you can see, okay, I know, especially if I have an author who doesn't label their work, some people might just like leap into it. So I'm like, I don't know if you're on chapter three or four. It's always best to start that narration and say chapter three, then get into the content of it. So Otter is my preferred application there, but Rev, R-E-V as in victor.com, rev.com, which also you can access on your phone is, is perfect too. It's the same thing. Otter, I think I just like the user interface a little bit more. It's a little more bubbly or easier to use or happy, or maybe I just like the animal, but more people are using Otter. Unless you have a very strong accent, and I do work with some people who do have stronger accents, maybe an English accent, Australian, or even just a strong Southern accent, you will likely be able to use the automated version, the automated transcription, and do pretty well. And I'll share with you the tip that I've shared before, which is enunciate when you're speaking. Don't go fast. Don't go laboriously slow, but don't go fast and speak so that the narrative robot can catch what you're putting down. Rev.com, same thing. You can share it. I believe you can share it. Mostly in that application, I have logged into authors' accounts and just accessed their content that way. Another application for you to look at is Zoom or Google Meet. I like Zoom. 
If I'm talking to an author and we're working on their outline, I can record what they're saying via Zoom. That works out for me. Uh, next, Google Doc is also fantastic. And uh, what I'm gonna tell you about next really is predicated on the browser that you're using. So I'm finding in Chrome, if I'm in my Google account and I open up a Google document, I can access the microphone through tools. Very easy, you'll see it right there, voice typing, I believe is what it's called. But I can access that microphone through tools and then I can speak. And again, as long as I'm speaking, it will pick up what I'm saying to a high degree of accuracy. So that's another option for you if you want to narrate your book. I know some versions of Word now have this available too. There's a little microphone in the corner and I think it's on the home page. So you can give it a whirl and I think you'll find it's going to save you time. For me, it saves my world-weary fingertips from typing out a bajillion manuscripts and, and word counts and my fingers are like, okay, can you please give us a break now? My fingers are like Sylvester Stallone in the gym and the rest of me is like, I don't even know, some unknown person eating a cheesecake. <laughs> but my fingers are super strong and they're ready to do bench presses. They're awesome. They don't crave beef jerky in the middle of the night or guacamole chips or anything. And I'm getting off the topic. You hear what I'm saying. There are options out there to help you. I have an author I'm working with now who has an injury, makes it very painful when she types because it activates a muscle in her forearm and that's where her injury is. So for her, finding a solution through talk to text has been absolutely fantastic. You can also try something interesting this has worked for me. It's an inspiration of sorts. I find the quotes that I love through memes that are indexed on Google. So for instance, you're writing your book. Some people wanna put in content in the beginning of the chapters or sprinkled throughout the book that contains inspirational quotes from other people. And they go, well, that's great. I don't know how to find that quote. So what am I supposed to do now? Well, I will type in things like sayings about firefighters, and then I'll go directly to the images and look and see who has made a meme about this or sayings about working remotely. And then I'll go directly to the images and see who made a meme about it. And I will pull off that content and put it in there and make sure that I'm giving correct credit to the author as well. But it's a different way to find some inspiration because that is part of creating your content, is giving your readers different things to latch onto and interact with you in a novel way. When it comes down to creating a squeeze page, one web page, etc. There are all different kinds of applications that you can use. Phone sites is one, Wix is one, but essentially what you're doing is you're creating a one page website. So those are two that I know. I'm sure GoDaddy probably has a solution 
You can also tag a tag on to your current website another one page. Let's say you have a WordPress website. You can go in there and say, I'm going to create this page, but I'm not going to make it live. I'm not going to attach it to any menu or anything, but it will allow me to have the page to live so I can give a URL to a person. And many times authors need this if they are doing a funnel for their book or if they are providing information for their book. So I want you to go to this PDF because it's going to give you a budget for your business. Okay, great. So you can store it on your website or you'll use phone sites or Wix. I thought Square was another one, but don't quote me on that because I think that's not correct. And finally, we'll talk about marketing and some aspects of marketing. When it comes to marketing, the best thing I can tell you to do is that chop up this big element. Hire a PR firm, hire a speaking agent, hire a podcast booker, hire a social media person. In the caveat to what I talked about in terms of PR, the podcast, the speaking, the appearances, that should be handled by a PR person or an agent. Next, you'll want to, for those elements, for those pieces that make up the marketing, hire a social media person. You should be posting at least once a day on all of your relevant platforms. This can be a teenager or a college kid that you're trying to, to groom, somebody who's very familiar with the way things work. You'll give them the strategy, the objective, boom, they get to work, that's how it goes. Reach out to the podcast you like as well. So in addition to hiring a PR person, you can reach out personally to the podcast and say, hey there, first time caller, long time listener. That joke goes out to all the Gen Xs, yeah. But that's what you can say, I love your show. I am writing a book or I wrote a book. This is what it is. And it's similar to the topics that you cover. And I would love to be on. I'd love to be considered. This is the value that I can bring to your show and to your readers. So we're always leading with value. When it comes to creation of content, the actual graphic images, there are two apps that I use in addition to Photoshop. So I know how to do Photoshop because I went to school for it. If you don't know how to do Photoshop, that's totally fine because you have differing uh, or different rather graphical layering applications that will do the same job. So PicMonkey is one. It costs me $7.99 a month and it gives me all kinds of options. There's bordering, there's layering extra content over the top of images, there's cropping, there's resolution, uh, there's patterns, etc. Canva offers you the same options. Some people find it super easy to use. And then there is another application. Oh, here it is. I searched for it on my phone. Meme-matic. Meme-matic. M-E-M-E, -E, Attic, A-T-I-C. I feel like I'm at a, in a spelling. Nope, I lied. It's M-E-M-A-T-I-C. And that is my final word for the spelling bee, memeatic. We all know memes are the lifeblood of social media. They interact. They allow us to interact with them in a majority of different ways that all tap into our emotional sides. So the meaning of memes has to do with emotionality. 
Are we angry? Is this, uh, I, I feel a commonality with it. I agree with you, meme person. Am I sad? Am I triggered? All of these things, am I, am I moved? And you want to use that, you wanna use those memes when you're advertising your book. You can take excerpts from your book and put them into memes and use any of those applications I just talked about, PicMonkey, Canva, Memematic, and Photoshop. So hopefully this list gives you a place to go when you need a little help deciding things. Well, how do I write that? How do I do this? How do I make sure that my result is the best to my ability? These are my proven go-tos time after time, year after year, and I add and I subtract as we go through the years, but hopefully it gives you a place to start and gives you a little bit more confidence as you go and create your content. Our only goal today is to get you over the writing hump. We all know we need tools to go farther and faster, and that as writers, we are only as good as the tools we use, and that's important. That's an application in business. I think it's an application in writing as well. How am I going to execute that idea and get it out? How do I make sure it's simplified? How do I make sure it comes across to my reader the way I need them to interpret it? And how do I put my best foot forward in doing all of that? As always, if you have any questions about anything I talked about on this episode, or if you want to work with me one-on-one -on -one in the creation of your own book, please visit jhillcreative.com. That's jhill1lcreative.com and send me an email. We'll get started. Now, isn't it time to go book yourself? You know where to go. I want to thank you so much for listening today. Until next time, authors. Right on.